Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Beast Wars podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. And I'm David. And today we are looking at the second item on our agenda, the agenda, part two. It's the episode where, as bad as things, you know, things kind of ended on a positive note in part one. In this episode, things get worse. It's it's not great for them. Yeah, the last episode could have been the series finale, and then this one could also maybe have been the series finale, but (laughs) in a much, much more dire way. Yes, although... Get ready for a really dire season finale next week. That's oh, yeah. Wow. This is like the first three Star Wars movies. Good ending for the first one, and a downer ending for the second one, and for the third one, a perfect ending. Yes, you know, we all, we all enjoyed Return of the Jedi, at the end of which the universe is destroyed. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to, no, dancing, dancing Ewoks. Happy dance. Yeah, it, it's comparably awesome to dancing Ewoks and Yub Yes. <laughs> I love that song so much. I, we're talking about Beast Wars, not Star Wars. Sorry. I derailed it. Yeah, this is Stasis Pod, the Star Wars podcast. Yes. Not um, not Escape Pod, the Star Wars podcast. Oh, oh there's nobody but droids hosting that. Yes. <laughs> and and one of them just makes weird beeping noises. And yet the entire audience seems to understand him perfectly. Yes. I don't get that show. And anyway, Agenda Part Two has a serious recap. Everything is serious. Yep. Yes. Yet we get to see the Tripreda's Council in that recap, which uh, I appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. They got a lot of screen time. Got to make use of those unique models we made. That's right, because we're never using them again. Sadly, no. They get one more appearance, or at least voice appearance. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, as opposed to the somewhat cosmic opening of uh, the previous episode, this one uh, starts on a rather small-scale uh, well, on a small scale, with uh, Silverbolt getting uh, chewed out by Primal in his uh, in his office. Yeah, it's in his captain's quarters. It's 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 like an episode of Star Trek. It is like an yeah, episode of Star like, Trek. Literally. It's like we haven't seen the inside of his quarters for like a season and a half. Yeah, I'm just imagining Optimus on the intercom going, "Silverbolt, please report to my office." <laughs> no, it's like a family sitcom. His dad is grounding him. Pretty much. I mean, Primal yes, is very paternal here. It's it's Optimus Primal, Barra Dad of the of the Axelon. It's the most mundanely leadery thing I think we've ever seen an Optimus do. Yeah. Yes, he's, yeah. he's basically lecturing him for dating someone he shouldn't be, and it, and it tells him to go to his room. Yeah. I mean, Primal is you know he's being tough but fair here. Yeah. He. You know, he just you know, Silverbolt and out in case he's wrong, and Silverbolt just kind of guiltily looks down. Yeah. All right, Silverbolt, yeah, if you're no. not, if you haven't been getting some Predacon strange on the side, please tell me, and we'll clear I, this hilarious misunderstanding up. I can't see Silverbolt being able to lie. 
No. No. That's demonstrably true at this point, isn't it? Yeah. It's just, it, it's weird that he's been able to hide it until this point. Well, bad. I don't think he had it hidden hidden from Rat Trap. No. 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 <laughs> we noticed that, which kind of makes me wonder how he, did, was he like spying on him, or? I mean. No, he just took a guess the last time after seeing it happen in the field once or twice when they were fighting. I mean, a wild guess and was right. <laughs> To be frank, Rat Trap does have a pretty good sense of smell. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, that's, that's a good point, too. <laughs> We're just so going to anyway. say that uh, she's wearing some sort of fragrance. Yeah. Eau de poison. Or, you know, since she lives in the Predacon Bay, she just smells like lava all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, she smells like sulfur. Yeah. It smells like volcanic gases. Or, uh, you know, egg farts. <laughs> Ooh. Yes, that that would be sulfur. What the hell is that trophy? What trophy? I'm... When Primal slams on the desk, something pops off of it. Some kind of like trophy, but I couldn't figure out what shape it is. Uh, let me pull the video up. It, it starts trophy. out like on the right side of his desk, bounces in the air, and just breaks in at least two pieces when it hits the ground. But it like goes like bottom end up, so I couldn't figure out what the heck it was. It kind of looked like it might have been shaped like an animal. <laughs> it was this, you know, animal trophy. It might have been a little gorilla trophy, but I don't know. Best oh my god, best that best. would be so good. <laughs> he awarded him. Uh, he awarded himself the prize for best gorilla. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he has a trophy for best gorilla. Hmm. It is totally his season one beast mode. Oh, it is neat. And then he's also got the Heisman <laughs> Trophy in the background. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, that's a nice office. Oh, we don't get to see any flowers this time, do we? No, just a weird atom molecule thing. Huh? Because I think almost every other time we've seen his office, there've been flowers in there, except for like the very first time. Well, clearly, he was setting up the office to look. Appropriately dad-like for lecturing Silverbolt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he got out the trophy he gave himself for best gorilla. Well, I mean, I mean yeah, who were the other competitors? <laughs> Those other gorillas? The, yeah, they, they were scanned and they did nothing gorilla. else. The, the gorillas from the cut episode. Oh. Oh, uh, oh like greater no. ape. Yeah. No. Oh, I mean, he built a little statue of that, uh, like, gorilla lady who fell in love with him in that episode. Oh. Maybe he got a figure print of his World of Transformers craft character. Yeah. Yes! <laughs> oh. I'm, I want to call attention to this scene's lighting. It's oddly warm. Like, I want to know what the glass in Primal's quarters is made of. Hmm. Like, it's some kind of polarized or UV filtered or something. Yeah. I'm not sure what. I, yeah, I think almost every time we see it, it's, it's like magic hour lighting. Like, it's nice and warm, like a hint of pink in the background. Maybe it does polarize light somehow. I, I will say that, you know, Chalk's acting in this is really excellent. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's. Because he's doing somewhere great. between Captain Picard and, and a, Tough chief of a police department. 
Right. I mean, you know, he's he's being a bit of a hard ass, but he is entirely fair. Yeah. You can tell he's disappointed in him and deliberately trying not to be angry about it. Mm. Yes. There's a part where he almost loses his cool and doesn't, and it's great. Yeah. It's just superb acting. He's got to be dad-like. And it ends with, go to your room. Yes. So good. And I mean, he he is kind of right about that. I mean, he suggests that, you know, he Maximals want to go and get Black Ragnia. He suggests that he should go instead of Cheetor, because she would just shoot Cheetor. This is probably true. Yes. Like, you you could see it on on Primal's face that, like, he's thinking, it's like, yeah, you're right, but you were wrong. What you've been doing is wrong. You're right that she's not going to shoot you, but you'll probably go and end up doing whatever she asks you to, like, clearing rocks away from a thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Also, I can't trust you at this point, so I can't send you out alone. Yeah, I mean, that's basically what it was, was you're, you're probably right, but I don't trust you to be the solution. His counter-argument is just, I think I can bring her around. You, you've been trying to do that for like half a season, dude. Yeah. And it, it's only worked in the context of what you do to her after you're finished kissing. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Alas. So back on uh, Ravage's transwarp cruiser, Megatron is uh, not so pleased that uh, Ravage sided with the Maximals. I love the uh, audio effect they do in this scene where you can hear the sound of the energy bonds whenever the shot is on Megatron's side of the force field, but it's quiet whenever they're on Ravage's side, and they do the being broadcast through speakers audio filter for Megatron's voice on that side. That is neat. Nice. It's really cool. Subtle, but really cool. Yeah. Was was getting captured part of Megatron's plan? I don't think so. No, it doesn't I'm... feel like that, but, but the way he's handling it while he's imprisoned, it's like, yeah, I had this planned all along. Cause he's still... Well, much like Dinobot, uh, Megatron is very good at improvising. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems less like this was his plan, more that... He was surprised by being captured by Ravage, but once it re- once he figured out what the situation was, he was like, yeah, I've got one plan that'll definitely work, and like two or three other plans that'll probably work. Yeah. I'm good. In a way, this works out better, because he was probably expecting, oh, Maximals are going to come to arrest me. It's like, oh, it's a Predacon Decepticon. This is wonderful. Then he pretty much would have been boned. Yeah. I know. On a good little exchange between him and Ravage. Oh, more Russian accent. Yes. I love that Ravage's computer has a Decepticon logo screensaver. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Hello, we we have a guest beaming in, I think. What? What's happening? I don't know. I'm I scared. Have, I think we have a guest, if his audio's working. I'm afraid of unexpected things. Uh-huh. There's, there's a connection, but I don't hear any audio. Uh, Test? Hello? <laughs> We have a guest. Ah, Hello. there we go. Who is this? Hey, a a um, wild mat appears. <laughs> Yay! Okay, for some reason the mic decided to reinstall itself. <laughs> That's as yeah. as they do. Who is who is this strange okay. visitor to our this prehistoric Earth, David? Uh, th- this is our wonderful longtime friend and knower of pretty much 
every bit of Transformers trivia that we don't know, Matt, a.k.a. Otto. You might have a toy of him. I have three. <laughs> he must be just a fan experience himself. Most and of them have an acid green. Oh, I have two toys of you, then. I, wait, no. I, Masterpiece, Acid, Storm... There's a Masterpiece, there's a Legends, there's a Deluxe, oh, it's um, the, there's um, a Creon. No, the the little bot shot, were they called? Oh, the bot <gasps> shot, too, oh, right. Yeah. Plus the Monzo, or Monzo and your birthday written on Onslaught. Which some people choose to interpret as, like, um, a rustling reference, because Monzo is a rustler, a hyper-rustler. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, no, he's, he himself is not actually hyperactive. It's just that's his designation, a hyper-rustler. <laughs> which, which means he's a wrestler. Because it's space. space. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because that's how things have to be in the future. And by future, we just mean space. Yeah. Anyway, we, we I've been trying to get Matt on for quite a while, but scheduling has just been wonky but now we have him for two of the best episodes of beast wars ever they are pretty good episodes hopefully you've actually watched matt yeah i did um do you want the scripts for them (laughs) i don't think we have to go that far (laughs) but thank you anyway yes you can just go go from memory like we were thinking about doing at some point with the uh original transformers the movie just Oh. Do a, a review of it entirely from memory. And not having watched it anytime soon. Which I Which, I watched it like Christmas, so I'm ready. Yeah, I watched it over like last month, so I, I ruined it for, you know, having not watched it. Well, now we can do it in like February or March or July. That's <laughs> at some point. Maybe after we're done with Beast Wars, we can do that. Anyway, this episode, we're... um. About to find out that Tarantulas has a secret. <gasps> yes. So remember the last episode when the Predacon's defense systems mysteriously shut down. Oh, yeah, yes. and when uh, when Ravage mentioned he had a secret weapon, and then Tarantulas popped out of his cave in motorcycle mode and was driving alongside the ship. Yes. What? Yeah, which amounted to nothing last episode. I mean, he was setting this up. Yes. Yes. Yeah. This explains surprisingly little. He's still a creep, and him being well, a member of the Predacon KGB doesn't really make him any <laughs> less of a creep or explain his behavior in any other episode anymore. Well, no, it, it does. It does explain why he was so, like, easily swayed into just going off and doing his own thing and abandoning everyone else. Yeah, but, I mean, it, it explained his him a bad spy because he was always doing his own stuff instead of just keeping tabs on Megatron. Admittedly, now they're lost on his crazy lost-in-time planet, so it's weird. Well, they they said yeah. he was a member of the Predacon Secret Police, not that he was, like, the best member <laughs> of the Predacon <laughs> Secret Police. Yeah, he seems more like an asset than an agent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was probably turned because he was hyper-crazy. Like, he's the slightly shifty informant who they have to pay off. Yeah. Yeah. And not in money, but in bizarre no. technology. <laughs> yes. So, yes, he, he shows up on a screen and cackles, as he does. Yep. Yeah, and Megatron calls him a mole, but he's actually a spider who's acting as a plant. 
Oh, that's inconsistent, man. That's, well, wait, that's... tarantulas live underground, though. They don't spin webs. So that's true. That's like a mole. Yeah. Yeah, but through this entire show, they're... he's been spinning webs. This is the thing. Well, <laughs> well, maybe he doesn't know a lot about spiders. <laughs> that's a fair point. I mean, this is possible because he's clear, despite being named tarantulas, he's clearly not a tarantula. And he intentionally yes. made Black Arachnia a Black Widow, so yeah, he really, really probably doesn't know shit about spiders. Well, that could just be that he's, you know, into kink. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm not really into the rules about kink of being safe and sane. Well, yeah. I mean, he's obviously not the second, so he might as yeah. well not be the, the first. Yeah. But so we can all conclude that he is definitely a spider plant. Yes. <laughs> so now, Ravager's ship, thanks to the the battle, is out of juice, which seems like poor uh, planning on the part of the Triprigus Council. Yeah, you'd think they could have, like, given them some more fuel. Maybe an extra gas tank. Maybe that would have ruined its stealthiness. Maybe the idea was they wanted to get rid of Ravage, too. <laughs> you think he would be... You would think he would be a little angrier if that was the case. Yeah. He he might be upset about that. I mean, you know how it is working with old guys. Like he's probably, I don't know, always using anti-Autobot racial slurs. <laughs> but the Predacons would be okay with that. Well, not <clears throat> officially. Yes. No. Yeah. Maybe he just went on a joyride on the way there and... Oh. Mm. He, he really shouldn't have stopped to see the biggest ball of twine in Alpha Centauri. <laughs> well, he's a cat. What do you expect from him? Oh, I wasn't even trying to make that joke. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't sure. <laughs> well, with uh, with Ravage's ship in specific, I feel like um, either Forward or Detailio or somebody said that to save on resources, it's like a maybe not a reskinned, but like a, a parts-shifted version of the Predacon ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see the that. Wings I can kind of see that, yeah. similar. They're just bent. They because kinda... they didn't have money for props. <laughs> or shadows. And considering what happens next episode, yeah. yeah, they had to make everything count where they could. Or if water. they uh, make the back flush with the wings instead of sticking out past it, Bend down the nose and then arch up the wings. Yeah, I can see it being based on the dark side model. Or, I guess, the, quote, dark side, unquote, model. Yes, that's the been Predacon ship model. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Which does lend credence to our thought last time, wondering whether the ship that Megatron stole in the first place was Maximal or Predacon. It's Predacon design. Yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yay! They answered questions through prop design. Yay. Whether intentionally or not. Well, that might also help explain why the Tripiticus Council is angry at him. Like, hey, you stole our ship. Yes. Yeah. And, what a jerk. And caused a diplomatic incident. And nearly blew our secret transwarp development program. Yes. Thanks. Now we Wait. are definitely going to send this cat man to kill you. Maybe that. And also everybody else, but especially you. Is that what they yeah. got sanctioned for? Uh, well, I mean, they got sanctioned for the stealing of the golden disc. Oh, right. I presume Megatron was some sort of, like, military guy in the Predacons? I think. I mean, they knew enough about him to say that he was, you know, brilliant but a rogue. Yes. 
Well, early on, I think they're called criminal predicons versus like your regular everyday predicons. Okay. So I don't know mm-hmm. how that they ties were, in. But I got the impression that was only after they stole the golden disc in the ship. That's possible. More of a like disavowal kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, like he went AWOL or like he was a political activist who decided to do more than just protest. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the ultimate guide version, which, yeah, we'll leave that back there in 2004. Thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It tried. DK Publishing, stick to doing cool cross-sections. Yes. We have, and we never got... I would, I would be totally fine with some Transformers cross-sections. Oh, yeah, uh, that'd be kind of neat. That would be neat, even if they just did it for, like, toys. Hmm. Yeah. I've got it right here. Okay. Uh, Alright. Tired of peace on Cybertron, Megatron decided to defy his superiors and take matters into his own hands. All one of them, I guess. <laughs> you know, that one hand. Well, he started with... No, he did start with one. No, wait, did he start with two when he was he the, with two, the, yeah. the, when the, the Megabot the, the, model? Yeah. Yeah. Started with two, and then he went to three, and then he went to three. Because <laughs> no. he has those delightful little dinosaur hands. Yes! Such a good little hands. He actually has four right now. He just uses the grabby claw most of the time. Has the show ever shown him without the grabby yeah. claw gun on? Yeah, it actually, it, it, I think it was like two or three episodes ago. Huh. Like when he was sitting in, oh no, when he was sitting in the, the giant Jiffy Pop chair. Oh, right, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely had it off then. <laughs> Jiffy Pops. Mm, now I want popcorn. <laughs> Any, wait, was there anything else in this scene other than, hey, we got a mole? Is that and what? also, you know, so uh, Tarantulas has found out Megatron's secret Energon stash. Oh. Right. And so they are going to send Primal and Cheetor to, or they're going to, you know, they're going to the, let the Maximals go get it. Yeah. So Cheetor is, but first, Cheetor's going to go out and get Black Ragnia. But, uh, you know, because Cheetor is a nice guy, he's going to stop by and apologize in advance to, uh, uh, to Silverbolt for potentially shooting his girlfriend. Yeah. Which yeah. is nice of him. And Silverbolt is very time. nice in this episode. Yeah, he's a good yeah. kid. I think we still Maybe have to reset nice. that he did a dumb thing counter, but he's a good kid this time instead of just an yeah. idiot kid. His intentions yes. are in the right place this time. And Silverbolt's in a timeout. Unfortunately for Cheetor... Uh, unfortunately for Cheetor, the walls kind of suck in the maximal base. Yeah. Yes. Well, fortunately for Silverbolt, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. True. yeah. My notes were, damn, Silverbolt punched straight through a metal door. Yeah. And then, damn, Silverbolt punched through a metal door, and Cheetor was still kind of just, eh, I'm okay. That wasn't too bad. I mean, maybe <laughs> yeah. the door absorbed enough of the force? Yeah, that had to have taken, like, about half the impact. True. But anyway, it's <laughs> enough that it doesn't knock him out immediately, which prompts Silverbolt to punch him again. No, uh, oh, he, that's... he apologizes for what he must do, and then He asks him. him if he's okay, and then apologizes, and then punches him again down a hallway. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's... It's so cute. It's so good for both of them, really, because Silverbolt's, oh, sorry. Sorry for what? Sorry for this. And then he gets, sorry again to punch him. Oh, and, and Cheetor just getting punched out, that makes up for all those stupid Cheetor moments. Cheetor gets abused in these episodes. 
Yeah, yeah. and then Rattrap shows up, calls him a sucker-punching spaniel, and <laughs> Silverbolt takes up. Yep. Rattrap also pulls the alarm, but Silverbolt blows a hole in the side of the ship with his missiles. Because the ship doesn't have enough holes blown in the sides of it yet. It's already got three. The heat just makes it, it's, it's like, you know, when something's already kind of broke, you don't feel as bad about breaking it some more. Oh, uh, yeah, broken window theory of sociology. Yeah. And yes. Rattrap says something that, that's weird. It's like, tr- we got trouble with a capital B? Did I hear that right? Yeah, I like Black Arachnia. For Black Arachnia. Okay, I wasn't sure what the heck that was. Me- Wait, Silver, why did, Why not with a capital <laughs> S for Silver Bolt? Well, they've got trouble with a capital B for Beast Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yay, implicit title drop. <laughs> well, hey, we're going to get another well, title drop a little later on. When Optimus finally shows up to uh, survey the damage... Rattrap's comment on Silverbolt flying away is, I used to be young like that before Optimus gives him a death glare. (laughs) So apparently his ribbing was more, I know, and I'm going to torture you for it, and not him really seriously objecting. You know, (laughs) young love, what can you do? Yeah, I mean, what, she's hot. (laughs) Yeah. And poisonous and deadly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, the uh, Cheetor recovers from this, and uh, he's heading out with Primal to uh, get this uh, this Energon store. Uh, yep. But unfortunately, before we get there, we see some uh, very ominous ants' nest. Yeah, that couldn't <gasps> possibly be foreshadowing of anything. No. Oh, no. Primal asks about Cheetor's head, and Cheetor responds, "I feel fat-headed, not fractured." And I'm wondering, is he calling himself an idiot, or is he complaining he feels concussed? I, I, he's calling himself an idiot. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I don't think robots get concussions. It would explain Waspinator, though. Well, that's true. Oh, would, but guy. Waspinator was a Waspinator before even coming to this planet. But <laughs> well, we don't know what happened to him previous. I mean, he was yeah. getting blown up all the time on Cybertron too. Yeah. Maybe, maybe part of the plan to steal the golden disc involved Scorponok and Pterosaur using Waspinator as a battering ram on the last door. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we know so the story yeah. about Waspinator getting beat up all the time, right? That his lines took so long to read that they wanted to get him out of the episodes quicker. <laughs> I was unaware. Of that. What? <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's pretty great. But that is great. The quicker we blow him up, the less takes Scott McNeil will do. <laughs> Well, it's just that the buzzing and the enun- the yeah. added enunciation made the line reads longer. Yeah. So it was taking too much time on him. So you know, get him out of there, and we don't have to focus on him. <laughs> huh. <laughs> just huh. That up. is an interesting factoid. Yes. Poor it's not a guy. Factoid, so that's not what factoid means, but yeah, that is a neat fact. <laughs> and I guess it's no skin off. Uh, you know, uh, Scott McNeil's knows because he generally had, you know, three other uh, characters. One, just three ca- other characters in that episode. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> He's still kicking, taking up vocal acreage. Yes. Still getting that, that paycheck. Yeah. Yes. Possibly paychecks. I imagine yeah, they his have a. Yeah, but his paychecks have a QU in them. That's true. <laughs> Everyone's would, wouldn't they? <laughs> they do. Fancy Canadian paychecks. That's right. Uh, 
Anyway, uh... Yeah, so they get in this mountain, and un- instead of the oh. promised Energon cubes, it's just a bunch of raw Energon, and also there's somebody cackling from above uh, whilst activating his roto-butt. <laughs> I really like <laughs> how, be- even before you see him, you see the, the light sort of going with his, uh, his butt fan. Oh, yeah. yeah. That you, entire sequence you hear the noise, fun. too, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Even the sequence before that is fun with the sneaking music and Primal holding his little pistol slash surfboard thruster up like James Bond and Shudor holding his yes. hands together as a gun, which made me wonder, shouldn't he be able to fire lasers out of his mouth when he's flying, too? Oh, I don't good. think he can. He For some reason, he cannot do that. We, we don't see him do it, at least. Well, he, he, can he can fire it out of just one hand without putting them together. Maybe it makes maybe his he throat just didn't scratchy. Think of it. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. it doesn't work when his brain is also in there. Gives me Transformers headache. are complicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love like, I mean, his consciousness seems to be in his head when he's a cat. Uh-huh. True. So maybe that doesn't work when his consciousness is there. He can't fire energy out of it or scramble his brain. His consciousness is in the cat. Brain modules move around in Transformers. Are we sure his brain isn't already scrambled? What? Well, it just hasn't. It just isn't cooked yet. <laughs> he was punched twice within the past half hour. Cybertron's so decision-making abilities aren't fully formed until they're twenty-five thousand years old. Yeah, there you go. I also love Cheetor complaining that he should have known better than to trust a dog because he's a cat. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Although, yeah. We we continue on with a great deal of uh, these characters having a lot of knowledge of the, like, sociological place of, of their animals in these hierarchies. <laughs> Let's just say that a contact with humans had a great deal of impact on Transformer culture, because their culture is mostly based on shooting each other. Yeah, well, I guess there's that. In other words, they have a library full of zoo books? Uh, yes. Maybe Tom and Jerry cartoons? Yeah, uh, yep, well, yep. there's a lot of references we're going to get to next uh, episode. Po- possibly Itchy and Scratchy, which uh, I suppose would make Silverbolt Poochie. <laughs> Anyway, the, the royalty has decreed a trap, so Inferno's yes, just in the butt. Just like Admiral Akbar said, it's a trap. <laughs> He's continuing to at least refrain from calling him my queen. Yes, although he's not present, so... Well, yeah. He's royalty, he would know! <laughs> That's true. Actually, no, I can make that line better. She's the royalty, she would know! He tries. He tries so hard. uh, Meanwhile, our fugitive Silverbolt has located Black Rachnia on her flying. uh, Kind of like one of those skiffs from from, uh, from Star Wars. Yeah, it's a sail barge. Like like she's going to drop somebody in a sarlacc. (laughs) No, it's the. It's Loki's skiff from Thor: The Dark Age. Oh yeah, I just watched that. Yeah. And I guess that's why it was built for two people instead of just one. Yes. Because Let's otherwise that seems really odd engineering choice for her to make. Silverbolt flies him next to her and tells her to pull over, basically. He's an air cop. Yeah, he's... Yes. Uh, do not 
drop in on your girlfriend at work, Silverbolt. <laughs> it's annoying. Well, that, She's well the busy. best part about uh, about that, though, is that he makes a police siren noise with his awoos. Yes. Aw, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Silverbolt. And then they, they proceed to have the best conversation. So good. The comedic timing on it is just great. The whole bit where basically he's trying to convince her to give up on whatever crazy thing she's doing and, and come back to the Maximals with him, and she's trying to convince him that she's evil. Yes. <laughs> and that she'll shoot him. She'll and shoot him. him. I know in my heart you won't. You shot me! Yeah, I love his reaction to that. <laughs> she said she would, I mean... And then there's like this beat, and then he just starts trying to rationalize. Oh, that's oh, he's he's because so you know broken. she just shot him in the thigh. She made sure that it would not be fatal. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's just like ah, oh. she just tried to kill you, and you're like, no, no, she's she's not evil, dude, dude. She just said no by shooting you in the leg. Listen, I think we've all been oh. in relationships like that. Really, also, I, oh. declared multiple times that she's evil. It's, okay, it's maybe not quite that bad, but it's just so weird. It's such a creepy relationship because he's an idiot. She wants to kill him, and I'm kind of into it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a shame so of how much I like the I, nice guy being persistent relationship being presented here. Yeah, it's like everything about it, it's like I should hate it because he's this persistent, persistent to the point of creepiness, but. Somehow it works because she's evil. I don't know. It's not just because she's evil. It's because the banter is so good. Yeah, and she actually, she actually does like it, but she doesn't want to admit it, kind of. Yes. It's, well, yeah, I mean, she kind of the end of the conversation. Sundere about it, but she's obviously, I mean, like, like I've, I've said, it's, it seems okay because, you know, and that, that is specifically a lot of what she likes about him is this, just sort of blind certainty in in the goodness of things and, and this faith in things being good, and so it's so easy to manipulate. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, I mean it, it's both at the same time frustrating for her, but also appealing. So it's it, it's it's definitely something that's less bad when and and it doesn't really feel like she's giving in because he's been so persistent. It feels like she's giving in because she's admitting to herself that this is what she wants versus, you know, it, it feeling like she's giving in because of his persistence. So it, it doesn't come off as, you know, problematic, I guess, as as it otherwise might. Yeah, because like, I mean, she she could yeah. have shot him somewhere. <laughs> it yeah. would have yeah. been no harm to her at all. I mean, she would have yeah, just had to shot, shot him his, somewhere. She, she totally could have shot him somewhere else, but it would have made their makeout session a lot more awkward. She could have shot him right in his melted cheese, which now I can't unsee, thanks to you guys. <laughs> it's I a mean, melted when she cheese. says, you know, I'll shoot you, it, she kind of half sounds like she's trying to convince herself that she'll shoot him. Yeah, she's like trying to the put on... The voice acting from both of this... them is very good here. Oh yeah, it's great. Yeah, I love it. She's like, I'll shoot you. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, so it... it I, I think the fact that it doesn't really feel like she's 
conceding to him so much as it feels like she it genuinely feels like she's conceding to herself that keeps it from feeling as terrible and creepy as it as it might have had it not been so well done it's a combination of weird pieces that shouldn't go together that somehow do because of their personalities and their faction allegiances like if he was a Predacon and she was a Maximal, it wouldn't work. Uh-huh. Or if she was pursuing him and he was, wasn't, was it would... it Somehow it, it works just barely. <laughs> kind of into it. Oh. Also, it helps that they don't <laughs> rush her actually admitting it to herself. No. Yeah. And, and they start making out, and thus oh. distracted, uh, the, <laughs> the flying boat crashes right into Waspinator. Oh, the line immediately prior to the makeout is just perfect too. Hmm? The line that is the lead into them making out is perfect too. What was it? You don't know whether to kiss me or kill me. I'm a black widow spider, you idiot! I can do both. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good one. And then they just crash in a wasp in here, and he gets broken into more bits than he's ever been broken. I I think there's like two waspinators worth of parts <laughs> raining down. Oh yeah. Well, see, so he much expected waspinator. there might be a problem, so he brought extra waspinator parts with him. <laughs> you know, replacement parts. But now they're just waspinator have enough parts to put him back together. Uh, and oh, of course, as crazy a crazy theory, um, considering how many waspinator parts are everywhere, and we, we've seen like just dismembered limbs in in the Predacon base. Maybe he is entirely the origin of the Insecticons. Like, they were just <laughs> built from leftover parts of Waspinator. <laughs> like, that's why there's armies of clones in the original G- G1 cartoon of Insecticons. Because they just all those extra parts. Yeah. And, of course, uh, you know, because he can fly, Silverbolt saves Black Arachnia. He does not save Waspinator, but uh, that's par for the course. Uh, because it's his duty as both a maximal and a heroic character. Oh, that that line <laughs> delivered just so so flatly and perfectly, and it's it taps on the fourth wall just hard enough. Yeah. Yes. Oh, like right, his reaction is just perfect too. Just this annoyed. Oh no, you're not saving my life again, are you? Yeah. <laughs> Even after I shot you. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know I, I like him big and stupid, but you're really pushing it. Oh yeah, it's like it, it's just so weird that that Silverbolt is the one that's genre savvy in this situation. <laughs> he knows he's lawful stupid, and damn it, he's gonna live up to it. Yeah. Anyway, back at the not actually Predacon Energon storehouse, Energon's uh, Inferno is starting to suffer from Energon radiation. So, so he does the most inferno-y thing possible. He just kills himself. <laughs> he, he burns himself to death by setting the Energon on fire. It it really is the most inferno thing ever. Oh, and tackling. He's tackling. And we just see him disintegrate. Completely. Oh, yeah, we've... Like, he's atomized like a villain in Dragon Ball Z. His molecules are blown to the four winds. To the next dimension. <laughs> we see his He's face warping before that losers. happens, too. Yeah. <laughs> and Well, they they said, you know, after they came back from the end of, uh, from the end of season one, and Hasbro dictated that they kill off uh, 
Terror Soren Scorpnock, uh, I don't remember where, whether it was Larry or Bob, but they, they basically said that at that point they decided at the end of the season to kill them all and let Hasbro sort them out. <laughs> so they would just make it seem, give, give a, a passable death to all the Predacons, and whoever Hasbro said came back the next season just happened to survive it somehow. But they just, overdid it on Inferno. Inferno comes back from this. Yeah, I, I yeah say, it's... you know, Inferno doesn't get a whole lot to do in Season 3. This this really should have been it for him. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's we such see an the disintegration awesome death. effect again later in the episode. It is definitely disintegration. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's it might actually be the best death in the entire... Well, other than Dinobot, but, but the death scene, like, just, just being atomized. So it is the second best death that stuck in all that should have stuck in all of Beast Wars. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, they still had Infernos to sell, I guess. That's true. Yeah. Why not Scavenger? That, because that would mean a new model. That that would cost them money. Eh, good point. Considering what they do with next episode. Yeah. <laughs> in, Inferno, Inferno blows up. Amazing. Ravage is mad about this, and Megatron somewhat fairly points out that, you know, you're going to kill us all anyway. Which uh, is true. His sarcastic response to Ravage being upset is great. So it was a trap. Oh, no. Really? (laughs) Also, we got a fun shot of Maximals trying to outrun an explosion. Yeah, we haven't had that in a while. That's always nice. Kind of works. Yeah. Yeah, they fly away successfully like like it's a level in Star Fox. (laughs) <laughs> oh, and then we get a history lesson. Yeah, so Ravage is just sick of Megatron at this point, and he is just going to kill him. And of course, he and this is at this point where Ravage mentions that Megatron is always following his own agenda. Title of the episode, everybody take a drink. Yay! Yay! Although, okay. unfortunately, he does not say you're always following your own agenda, part two. In- <laughs> or your own agenda in the Beast Wars. You're not Sylvia. You're the agenda. One of the kung fu creatures on the rampage. (laughs) This is the second time you followed your own agenda and ruined things for the rest of the Predacons. Oh, man, if they did that in every episode. Like, the the next episode, we've got to stop Megatron from enacting the third part of his agenda. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of love that the current cartoon would do that. Anyway, so, yeah, he's just going to kill him, so Megatron just finally tells, he gets the history lesson, and it actually convinces Ravage to uh, make the bonds around him disintegrate, which is weird. Yeah, that's why, like, he turns them off, and then they just fuzz out of existence. Like, I hope you brought more of those, Ravage. Yeah, yeah sure. apparently they're one-time use. Couldn't they? You're just going to have to hog time. That's weird. Or I guess, you know, Mainframe had that disintegration effect, and they really wanted to use it. Yeah, and that goes before we get the history lesson. Yes, yeah, so we, yeah, we get we now get this history lesson. We you know in you know back when the secret wars between the Autobots and Decepticons were beginning in uh, on Earth, the humans launched the Voyager probe, and it contained the golden disc. And the original Megatron put a contingency plan on that disc, and. Uh, he even plays a little fragment of the golden disc, and we get a message from the original Megatron. 
That's not how records yeah. work. You can't just have a little shard of a record and it plays like most of the message. In. You didn't say it was encoded the same way the record was encoded. Well, no, but I just, no. uh, I don't know. I, I can't imagine a way that it would play back that would work like that. Well, it's, it's the future and their computers. They might have a codec for video that's really good at preserving without losing too much information. Or even if there's a lot of information lost. And I mean, clearly there's not oh, a lot wait. of information on this. Well, yeah. wait, it was just coded by Megatron, and Megatron died in 2005. It would have had to have been sometime between, like, 1984 and 2004. Well, yeah, it was right before the Voyager probe was sent up in... Was that 86? Well, that... No, that was 1977. Yeah, it was actually oh, in the 70s. Yeah. So the dates are a little off. So, here. yeah. Oh. This is totally not work unless they're saying, like, sometime between <laughs> 1985 and 2005, he flew out into space and just kind of, like, hitched a ride on the Voyager satellite to encode this on it. Well, well don't we see, like, a laser beam flying from space to it? We we see a shot of the record against a star field and the laser etching it into it. Oh, yeah, and the yeah. reflection. And, and also Megatron's reflection is reflected in it, though, I assume. So I assumed he was right there. Okay, so at some point he got bored, went on Astro Train, and left a note on the record. Like yeah. at night. That's he's very, why you always leave a note. <laughs> and he's very passionate <laughs> about the fact that they're developing transwarp technology. Yes. Yeah, which apparently Somebody. took them 300 years to figure out. Was it 300 or something? Something like that. Well, it's 300 it years, was, but we don't know how long they've had transwarp. It was 300 stellar cycles, and it was occasionally mentioned that whose stellar cycles? We don't know. Yeah. Maybe it was well, just I, the number, I remember, number of times like Liam Black did an episode of Stella. <laughs> I, I remember looking up the original line, and I think it's actually three centuries, they say, versus like 300 years. Oh, Which yeah. that brings into the question of like w- what a Cybertronian century is. Yeah. Uh, Omega Supreme. Lots of horns. But <laughs> 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 yes. Anyway, so so Megatron tells Ravage not to listen to Megatron to listen to Megatron <laughs> on the disc. Yes. Uh, yeah. He, he phrases so it. I'm not expecting you to leave me. It did sound a little bit like Gary Chalk, yeah. I mean, it, it's a decent Generation 1 Megatron impression. Yeah. There there were tones in there that were pretty dead on, but yeah. As, as a whole, it was... little Megatron chuckle. It's pretty good. Passable. It, it sounds kind of star-screamy to me. It did come off a little star-screamy, too. Well, the problem is G1 Megatron isn't that great of a voice, really. Yeah, I mean, he Frank really improved on it. Megatron. He really improved on it for his uh, Transformers Prime Megatron. G1 Megatron was just kind of Frank Welker if he went out and smoked six packs of cigarettes before recording. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> weird that he was doing an old man voice then, and now he's a lot yeah, older. And he sounds less old now Now that Frank Welker is actually an old man. I know, and it works better. Well, he's not trying so hard. Well, it's more it's not like he could have just used his Freddy voice for Megatron. <laughs> I kind of want to hear that, to be honest. That would have been great. Well, Let's had to split up and destroy the Autobots gang. Oh, I mean, that... they they did both love setting traps. I <laughs> I want Me- Megatron to start wearing an ascot. <laughs> yes. Well, and then we've got um, a story about the 
uh, I think it was either Bob or Larry who wanted to get Frank Welker for this and even offered to like drive over to their house with a tape recorder to get it. And Welker was, uh, it was either a money issue or maybe it was a union issue. But, you know, he couldn't do it. Very likely. Yeah, probably union. I know he's, he was always just having time issues because his schedule was so packed with, you know, having to bark at things. Voice every animal. I'd I'd love to help you, but, uh, I, I need to do some zebra noises for uh, for Animaniacs in uh, ten minutes. Yeah. There, there was recently an erroneous report that thanks to The Force Awakens, Harrison Ford is now the top-grossing actor of all time in Hollywood. No, it's Frank Welker. <laughs> Still Frank? If you Always Frank Welker. In, in, and mo- the money it's made, it, it's going to be Frank Welker for a long damn time. I mean, I'm vaguely surprised that Frank Welker isn't in Force Awakens. Yeah. Yeah, well, you, you get... Like Muppet guys, maybe to do background voices there, oh. or you know uh, Simon Pegg. Yes, yeah. and then I think Chewbacca is like like blended animal noises. Yeah, well, but Wilker could probably do it. Yeah, I mean he did the roars for the lions in the Lion King, and yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> believe that either if there wasn't video of him doing it with the assistance of a trash can. so anyway ravage is very moved by this uh blurry 10 second long clip of megatron and releases the other megatron he's technically following orders too yeah yep he's only supposed to do that to megatron if he's following his own if he's still following his own agenda and he's not yeah he's following megatron's agenda that's right which is confusing but bear with me we'll explain it Yes. So so back at this mountain, uh, Black Ring and Silverbolt have found a bunch of rocks. Well, f- first we get to see Waspinator as the bride of Reanimator. Yep, just dragging himself around on his hand. <laughs> his head. Yes. Muttering to himself. Oh. Poor guy. Oh, that, the scene with the disc just makes me want a tran- uh, masterpiece Transmetal Megatron so bad. Oh, really so bad. much. Yeah. Oh, well, we're, get, we're getting primal. Well... Season one primal, so we'll probably get season one Megatron, but that would oh, be the wrong choice. It yes. would be. I'd still buy it. But it doesn't break in half, and they can have uh, an extra hinge in its thrusters, so they can flip around, so he can fly in robot mode. Yeah, yeah. Maybe actually working wheels on his roller blades. Oh, that. <laughs> That'd be oh my God. Extra what if they record made... player attachment for his uh, gun. Oh yes. <laughs> What if you could actually make him a remote control vehicle? <laughs> I don't. Oh, like oh, like one of those quadcopters. That would be awesome. <laughs> but I was just crash thinking about like roller skates with the boots, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh. So yeah, they they find that somebody has dug a tunnel into this mountain and then blown it up. And judging by the little scrap of of metal with a very convenient Predacon symbol on it. Uh, I guess that was Megatron. At first, when I was watching this, and maybe when I was watching this for the first time, too, I was like, she seems really sarcastic. Maybe this was tarantulas. Wasn't, wasn't this the thing they blew up in the previous a few episodes ago where tarantulas was disguising his lair? It does look like that, but it is not It's quite a different that. one. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, because that, was, that wasn't actually at a mountain that was sort of more at like a small base. Like cave. Yeah. Was it like a step? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, they're moving rocks around. Uh, There's a bit more flirting. 
yeah, Black Silver Bolt hilarious. Shoot him in vital circuits a, this time. Uh, is this where he blows up the rock? Yes. With, with his missiles? He, yes. No, he claims uh, stand back citizen and then blows it up with his missiles, which just um, causes more rocks to drop down. He, he just, and he very stoically stands there while little rocks ping off him. <laughs> Silverbolt goes maximum heroic hero, like out of a superhero movie. Like, like he's being Superman. Um, well, it's a cross between Superman citizen. and the Tick. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it's very the Tick. Yes. Yeah. He's like the tick as a romantic lead, which is kind of great. Wasn't <laughs> yeah, that the plot of Seinfeld for a while? Well, that is true. Anyway, so opposite so cheat or they say knife instead of spoon. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, opposite cheat or they they've had a rough day. They're coming back to the Axelon, and uh, you know they check in with Rat Trap, see how things are going, and uh, you know he's got some good news and some bad news. Uh, the good news is they don't have to deal with Ravage anymore. Uh, the bad news is that's because he switched sides. Yeah. Oh, and, and Primal and Cheetor fly over what kind of looks like Niagara Falls. They're flying back to the uh, Maximal base. Yeah, there are a bunch yeah. of falls around it. Yeah, but the, the way it was divided, it reminded me a lot of Niagara oh, Falls. Yeah, the, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's fair. And well, if, granted, if you think about it, they still have to deal with Ravage. I mean, that, that's yeah. not really a good news component. No. No. It, it's, it's a very esoteric good news. They just don't have to be nice to him. Hmm. And the even worse news is Ravage's ship flying into frame from behind them with Megatron standing on the nose of the ship. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, admittedly, it can cloak, so it could have gotten that close. But for it to hover up right behind them and them not notice while it's visible? It's very quiet. Yeah, it, it, it makes for a really good scene. But... Yeah, I'm entirely willing to forgive the implausibility just for how cool it looks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they flee. Primal's gorilla mouth goes incredibly wide, and it's hilarious. <laughs> oh, it's oh, yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> you can see his tongue. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't think he even had a tongue in his gorilla mode before now. No, not before. Now he does. It's cute. <laughs> they finally figured out that gorilla face that used to creep us out. Yes. And, and then we get a then, shot inside the cockpit. Oh. Yep. Ravage kills Decepticons forever. Transformers making the old Transformer noise into a giant cassette <laughs> and goes into his ship's tape deck. And it starts playing the guitar <laughs> whale from season one. That yes. clearly can't turn into a cassette. No. Who kind no. of was so cool when it happened, though? Well, he's and a G1 was... character. They don't have to respect scale. Or size. I mean, he or used volume. to be, you know, a life-size jaguar who turned into a tiny cassette, so... And he still is just one that walks up right now. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he doesn't have any obvious cassette parts on him, but, you know... Well, his shoulders are kind of spool-like. You know, it's not that off, but whatever. Anyway, I, much like the Welker impression, apparently uh, that was supposed to play the Transformers theme song from the, from the old Ah, uh, yeah. I remember But uh, that was also a, a, a money thing. I, I think the guitar whale works better. It does. 
it definitely works better for the moment. Yeah. Blend, I mean, for the most part, the original G1 cartoon theme isn't very good. I mean, I've never really liked it. No, it's more on the '60s Marvel Comics cartoon adaptation side of things, really. It's fine. It's just it wouldn't work in that short of amount of time. They yeah. needed There's... to get Instruments of Destruction. Oh, that that would have been great. <laughs> Although, <laughs> also not a good song. You shut up. That's my favorite song for the soundtrack. <laughs> uh, better than Dare to Be Stupid. Ah. <sighs> Dare to be stupid is more fun, but Instruments of Destruction just instantly makes me think Decepticons. Dare to be stupid is kind of out of place on that album. Yeah. In that it was only put on that album because they went to Scotty Bros and went, okay, what can you put on the soundtrack album? <laughs> yeah. Oh, have I got a song <laughs> well, for you? It's probably out of place because it's the best song on that album. <laughs> it's out of place because it's good. Best artistically, yes, but not the most fun. And I will also say it makes sense in the context of the scene that it's in. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, it, it does, but that scene doesn't make context in the movie. Well, <laughs> most of the scenes in that movie don't make sense with the rest of that movie. <laughs> exactly. That's a fair point, there, too. That, that is a That's discussion good. for some time in the future. Yeah. When we do an entire episode or on that episodes. movie. Anyway. Space fight. Now there's a bunch of, I don't know, robot fish or something. Now it's garbage people. Who Time even knows no what's going sense. on? Distance has no meaning at all. <laughs> and and also, while the, while the G1 cartoon theme isn't very good, the lion version in the movie is. The lion version. I do like that version. It makes it respectable. Anyway, while guitar whales are going on and Ravage is rocking out in his spaceship, Megatron just starts to laugh. Yep. Wouldn't and, you in his place? And then the oh, ship sure. starts to fire, and we get to be continued. Dun, dun, dun. You know, I think with a three-parter, it's easy to have, you know, just sort of setting stuff, you know, sort of dealing with stuff in the first part and setting up stuff for the third part, which this does, but it manages to make it very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This this is, to borrow a term that J. Michael Straczynski used when uh, writing Babylon 5, a crowbar episode. <laughs> in that it's the writers basically taking everything you knew about what was going on in the series to this point and smashing it with a crowbar. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, it's, it's so wonderfully smashed, because it's Megatron having fun and Ravage just instilling us with G1 happy feels. Tarantulas is in the, in the Gestapo. <laughs> well, I, I did like the callback during the Inferno scene to him um, having that Energon build up because so he, he was in robot mode too long. Which oh, I'm, that was great. I yeah, love that they, they remember that was a thing that used to happen. Yes. Yeah. Didn't happen for a while, but now it's happening. I well, and it made sense for somebody... Inferno since he yeah, wasn't a transmetal. Yeah. yeah. You know, we only have so many non-transmetal characters who that would happen to anymore. Yeah. And Ryarch is kind of a homebody, so... Yes. And I think at this point, Wasp Mater falls apart instead of going into Energon Overload. Yeah, he's never uh, he's never active long enough to actually suffer that. I mean, maybe his yeah. spare parts do. They also explained in the beginning of the season that the big Vok energy weapon thing that 
scorched the planet during the season one finale blew up most of the energon thing, so it's only going to be in caves like that where you yeah. actually get exposure. It blew up most, or somehow it converted them to energon cubes, or more, well, energon crystals of a different kind. Stable yeah. energon crystals which yeah. take the form of cubes. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's not a lot to say about this episode in isolation. I mean, it's a good episode on its own, but it, it's really setting things up for the big finale. Well, you yeah. can't really separate any of the three parts of Agenda on their own. I mean, they're fine episodes, but they don't work on their own. No, I mean, it's one big episode. Yeah. Which is why it was aired three days in a row on Cartoon yes. Network. Ah, yes. you people. I believe they also aired these three as a uh, as a marathon on um, on YTV, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Like they were all they they didn't air them five. They didn't do this with the previous ones, but with the agenda, they did air them in a like a one block, like a prime time block, I believe. Ooh. Oh, it's a big deal. Well, it is CanCon. That's true, and popular CanCon, which was amazing for the time. <laughs> yeah, it was. I don't think Stargate had started yet. I don't believe it had, and and I I, I vaguely recall at the time that this was maybe their top program on YTV. It was either this or maybe Reboot, which was or also... reruns of Reboot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Reboot was basically always in reruns. Okay. Stargate started yeah. this same year, and it oh, was still okay. on Showtime. Oh. Well, I mean, the other thing with it airing on Cartoon Network is that it um, put out... The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest, which, if you were watching Cartoon Network in the 90s, The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest was like a never-ending purgatory. (laughs) (laughs) It's not great. Oh, yeah, and you can't air The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest after having aired Beast Wars. The CG just... (laughs) Oh, that's... It it would be like watching Transformers Prime and then trying to put Beast Wars in its time slot. As far as... No, it would be worse than that, because Beast Wars yeah. still holds up from an acting standpoint. Yeah, that would be like airing a Transformers Prime and then Voltron, the third dimension. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Which I feel like was the same company that did The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest. Possibly. Oh, I can believe that. There's similarities, at least the, the creepy, uncanny valley of the people. I will kind and of write a couple of those episodes with uh, Ezekiel Rage. Yeah, Ezekiel. Ezekiel Apart from Rage, that, you can basically keep the real adventures of Johnny Quest. Yeah, Ezekiel Rage was at least an interesting character. The rest of the show was crap. Also, yeah. those episodes usually didn't have a lot of the CG in them. No. Yeah. Whereas the other recurring bad guy, whose name I cannot recall, but I'm pretty Jeremiah sure Jeremiah Surge. That's the one. Yes. <laughs> and he was played by Frank Wilker because in his first appearance, he made a reference to the Quest family interrupting him watching Scooby-Doo. <laughs> oh God! And his episodes had a lot of the CG, and thus they were terrible. Yeah. <laughs> you know the best part of the Real Adventures of Johnny Quest? The fact no. that before they premiered the Real Adventures of Johnny Quest, Cartoon Network did a marathon of every episode of Johnny Quest made prior to the Real Adventures of Johnny Quest. You know what the um, worst part of the Real Adventures of Johnny Quest was? They started airing Real Adventures of Johnny Quest. <laughs> They started airing the real adventures of Johnny Quest and said that they were retiring the old episodes permanently. Oh, oh which the, the old episodes aren't great, but some of them look pretty damn good. Yeah, they're they're good Hanna-Barbera non-comedy animation, which is to say that the animation itself is cheap, but the drawing is good and Alex Tophie. Yeah. 
Oh, oh Alex Todd, yes. it's anything magical. I was just going well, to say the best part of... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say that my Johnny Quest is the one with the eight-foot rock golem. <laughs> oh, Forgot. he was great. I loved him. What was his name? Hard Rock. Ah, yes. He <laughs> uh, could be a G.I. Joe character with no changes. I don't know. Anyway, I was just going to say the best part of the real adventure of the Johnny Quest is the rise that we can get out of David by uh, mentioning the inaccuracy of the uh, Jersey Devil episode. I hate that episode more than any cartoon episode I think I've ever seen. Ever. Oh. It's like poking the bear. Oh, there are things I feel similarly about. Like the uh, there was an episode of uh, Young Justice where they were fighting around a nuclear reactor in Arlington, Virginia. And this was troublesome for exactly the reason why you no one is allowed to build a nuclear reactor near Arlington, Virginia, because it's like across the river from Washington, D.C. Yeah. Also, it was in a forest and there are no forests in Arlington, Virginia. Oh. So I I assume that that's similar to the the rage that I felt over that episode of Young Justice is probably similar to the rage that you yeah. feel over well, the Jersey Devil episode. When you know something about the locale that they're specifically visiting and they get it wildly wrong, super wrong. <laughs> It's really, really obnoxious. Uh. (laughs) My episode of a cartoon that makes me react like that isn't due to geography, but I'll say more about that in 20 episodes. Oh. (laughs) We'll get to that episode. Uh. But there are only 13 episodes left. Well... We, we, we're doing uh, the next show, too. Oh, well, let's see. Episodes of animation, mostly the ones that I hated were ones that... Oh, right. The first episode of the Powerpuff Girls, because mm-hmm. they played that for a solid week in a row. The same, <laughs> or maybe two weeks. Oh. And they played it over and over again. Like the pilot or the... What, a cartoon pilot or like the actual first syndicated episode? Uh, the one where the three thugs dress up as the Powerpuff Girls. Oh, yeah, I remember. Oh, I don't right. I remember them replaying it that often, but I might have missed that. Well, that was when they were first premiering the show, and I guess they didn't have any other episodes. Yeah, and they just kept ready that one to the point where I got tired of it, and I did not want to watch Powerpuff Girls. And I mostly didn't for, like, at least a year. Remember when they did that April Fool's Day joke where they played the same episode of Woody Woodpecker for 24 hours? <laughs> <laughs> Cartoon Network and April Fool's gags are something that has annoyed me since day one. Isn't that uh, sort of where The Room was first popularized? Yeah, they did. They did. I think they did it like three years in a row, or at least two. It was Screwy Squirrel. That's who it was for the ah. April Fool's. The only Cartoon Network or Adult Swim gag I kind of liked is also the worst one. The night, they didn't change anything except they added fart sound effects. (laughs) I think I might have videotaped that night. Well, there was was the one where they drew mustaches on everybody, too. (laughs) Yeah, There was another good one they did on Adult Swim where they hyped up in advance that they were going to play the 
only recently out of theaters adult teen hunger swim movie in its entirety. And they did in like a 50 by 30 pixel corner of the screen thing with no sound <laughs> while they played their regular schedule. Uh, like, uh, I, I hate them when they did that shit, but it, I can understand why they had fun doing it. <laughs> Cause that, it just kind of reminds me of the stuff I would do in college. Like, I was in the art lab, the computer art lab, and every once in a while I would just get so bored I would make a poster of something. Like, something completely random. Like, like somebody would leave a picture on one of the, the cameras we would lend out to students. And it would come back, and it's like, this is a stupid picture. Why didn't you delete it off the camera? I could use this as blackmail. Oh, I can make a giant poster. <laughs> so I did. So It was that. April. Everything was in reruns. <laughs> I can't blame them. No. And also, you know, they work at Adult Swim, so they're probably super high most of the time. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure half of the budget for Robot Chicken is weed. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, the the other half is getting Frank Welker for a couple episodes. I don't know. I mean, he, he Welker probably doesn't have to charge that much. He's just it's like an economy of scale. I guess. I mean, he probably does have you know a Scrooge McDuck style money vault. <laughs> he probably also has the same thing Don LaFontaine had in his basement before he died at this point, which is just a recording studio. Oh, yeah. Well, I think, don't like most voice actors kind of have that? I don't know about most. Well, most of your big name ones, I was like, I know. Quite a few of the, the ones who do anime, like, they have their own studio in their house, or they actually run a studio for other voice actors. Oh. Like, um, Sinter Klaus, for, uh, Hank, no, Dean oh, from uh, Venture Sinter Nicholas. Yeah, he, uh, he's a uh, voice actor. Uh, Dean Venture. Yeah. Yeah, he, he does that quite a bit. Uh, yeah, I think they I think they record Venture Brothers at his studio, mm. or at least they record the New York based actors, which is yeah. basically He's... him and Jackson and Doc. Well, and Isn't, um, uh, what about uh, Urbaniac? He moved to L.A. Oh, he did. Oh. Yeah, I did not realize that. He's showing up in all sorts of stuff. Uh, I, I just rewatched that, that first season of uh, Agent Carter, and he shows up in the first two episodes as surprise, surprise, a an unethical scientist. <laughs> oh right, typecasting. I mean, if you I mean, if you need somebody to play an unethical scientist, he's the man you call. He's even uh, doing that on, on a Law and Order. He's done that on multiple Law and Orders. <laughs> anyway, so uh, did we close the episode? Or uh, no, oh, not yet. We no, we, we haven't closed the episode. This is still digression about cartoons. Oh, okay then. Oh, wait, I guess we can cut this out or. Whatever. So you make it extra for the credits bonus content. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, let's sign out so I can go to the bathroom. All right. So uh, that will uh, do us for uh, for this episode. But uh, remember, until next time, you can uh, find us on Twitter at, at @stasispod, on Tumblr at stasisbod.tumblr.com, and on Facebook at facebook.com/stasispod. Did you say stasisbob? Maybe. She uh, did. <laughs> that's, no, that's actually our reboot podcast. Uh, oh. <laughs> That's a reboot pod. Actually, you can, yeah, reboot covering podcast. all three seasons of reboot. <clears throat> yes, all three. Technically, there's a fourth. We don't count that. 
why would you do a fourth season for a show that had a good conclusion to the third season and ended on a horrible cliffhanger that leaves everything unresolved? It's like the Beast Machines of Reboot, except it's not as good as Beast Machines. Yeah. And our RSS feed is hosted on iathonunderground.net. And if you prefer, you can also uh, find us on iTunes, and uh, while while you're doing so, rate and review us. And uh, we'd love to hear about you otherwise, so uh, we'd love you if you wrote into the old Maxim mailbag at uh, stasispodcast at gmail.com. Tell us, if you're Canadian, how how did this air on, on YTV? Yeah, we would love to hear memories of that. Yes. How exciting was this when it aired? It was pretty exciting for me. <laughs> the next part, super exciting. Yes, that is the third item on our agenda, the event, the agenda part three. And you know it's serious because they switched to Roman numerals. Oh, man. Yeah, that's kind of, oh, I'll have to remember to do that for the episode. So until next time, I'm Rob. Keep your electric eye on me, babe. (laughs) I'm Jen. I don't have anything clever to say. I'm Alex. I'm still here. I'm Matt. It's my first time here. And I'm David, and I can't think of a David Bowie line. Okay, Monzo's updating Skype, so he might be on. So I guess we can put around for a bit. Um, and then he turned to heel. David Arquette did. <laughs> Monzo? Oh. Oh. My like... God, that's Monzo's music. <laughs> <laughs> what would a heel Monzo even act like? Uh, he'd just be that uh, that one Nazi with the with the glasses from Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> He'd be David Mitchell from that sketch. Are we the baddies? Uh, uh, I guess we're going to have a lot of episodes to talk. There's not much else to add. Other than, yeah, Leo Kaiser looks neat. Oh, I mean, I I mean these are see- pretty significant episodes. Yes. And I guess we've now seen oh, uh, yeah. Predicus in his combined form. Yay! He looks... Pretty good. Amazingly good, actually. Didn't Alec Willows cancel? Yes, yes he, he did. He has play. a uh, yeah, he has a play he's doing that's going to conflict yes. with the schedule. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be in an awesome play. It's going to be awesome because it's got him in it. I mean, I kind of hope he's just playing tarantulas in it, no matter what it is. Yes! <laughs> like, you know, death of a salesman, but Willie Loman is tarantulas. That's... <laughs> 